morning again, and if you came in uh, late, we just want to tell you again, Happy Mother's Day, and we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. And so today we're starting uh, a new sermon series that I'm really excited about called The Circle Maker, and um, that is the picture, exact picture of why it's called The Circle Maker, and so I'm going to tell you the story to start with of Honey, um, The Circle Maker. It was the period right before Jesus came, there was 400 years after Malachi, and before Jesus, that was kind of a dead period in Israel. We don't know a whole lot about it except from history books like Josephus' history book and some other things. But we know that it was a dead period. And one reason that it was a dead period is because the people of Israel had completely turned their back on God. A hundred percent. Almost no one in Israel was worshiping God. They were worshiping other gods and, and honestly just not worshiping at all. And they had, they had gotten real mundane and stale in their worship. And so, but there was this one guy in the first century BC named Honey, and he was the prophet. And everybody knew he was eccentric, and everyone looked at him and knew if there was a problem, we could go to this guy and he will pray. Matter of fact, a couple times before this instance, there had been a, a drought, and Honey had prayed for rain, and God brought rain. And so he was worldwide, or excuse me, in Israel, who was legendary for being able to pray for rain. But this particular instance was worse than the others. Matter of fact, in history, this is one of the worst droughts that there has ever been. And it was happening in Israel. And so as you, as you saw the picture, what happened was they came and asked Honey, will you pray for rain? And he said, this time that's not enough. And he took his six-foot staff and he drew a circle in the sand. Like a compass in math, he completely encircled himself and he dropped to his knees and he said, God of the universe, I will not leave this circle until you bring rain. And a lot of the religious leaders and the Sadducees saw him doing this and were offended by this. By the way, these are the same Sadducees that less than 100 years later and Pharisees would kill Jesus. And so they don't like it when you are bold and you call out to God. They just like it when you follow their rules. And so they saw what he was doing and they said, you can't talk to God that way. You are being too direct with him. We have, to, we have to be sissy and we have to be nice and we can't, we can't boldly go before the throne room of Jesus and ask him for things. We have to be nice. And Honey said, I don't even know if he paid attention to him, but he dropped to his knees and he declared, I will not leave this circle. I will not leave this circle until rain comes. And there were hundreds of people gathered around because everyone knew he was the one that can pray for rain. And, and just then rain began to fall. And can you imagine being in a place where for years you hadn't seen rain and it's dry? Oh, by the way, that's not the problem. And I'm kind of mad at some of y'all because I think some of y'all might have been the ones praying in the circle last week for rain. And I'm glad y'all cut it off. But can you imagine, can you imagine, seriously, five, six, seven years, no rain? What it was like when the first raindrop fell. Can you imagine looking up and feeling that on your face? But Honey wasn't satisfied. He kept on his knees and he said, God, not for this rain, I pray, but for a rain so much so that it fills all the places, that it's a flash flood. And sure enough, that's what happened. But rumor has it, story has it, that the, the raindrops were no smaller than an egg. And it completely flash flooded. And after that had taken place and, and water was rushing everywhere, he never left his circle. And just like it shows on there, he said, God, not for this kind of rain even I pray, but the rain of your favor. And the sun came out 
and a light mist came down and the favor of the grace of the Lord came upon Israel that day. And the legend of the circle maker started that day and the whole book is based on the fact that Honey had the boldness to go before God, to draw himself in the nasty, hard, can you imagine how hard it was, in that sand to draw a circle with his six-foot staff and get in it and pray. And I want y'all to listen to this right now. Some of you, some of you pray. Some of you, you probably haven't prayed this week except maybe before a meal. But almost none of us, almost none of us circle things in our lives that are major and pray. And, and here's why. If we don't get the answer from God immediately, we jump out of the circle and we say, God, you should have taken care of this the first time I asked. But we definitely wouldn't get on our knees before hundreds of people with the risk of me failing and be bold enough to ask God to move a mountain. And I believe there's a reason that we don't do these things. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to walk through this, but today is critical. I'm so glad y'all are here because today is critical. You cannot get the rest of the stuff we're going to get without having today. You cannot get the rest of the stuff that we're going to get without today. And so in the Bible, if you're familiar with the Bible, in the Bible, there's a story of circling that is probably the most familiar, obviously more familiar than this because Honey's story is not in the Bible. But it's probably the most familiar story of circling things in the Bible, and it's really the first circle maker that took place. And it's found in Joshua chapter 6. It's the battle of Jericho. It's, it's what happened when God asked his people to circle up. And so we're going to backtrack about a thousand years this morning, and I'm going to give you two ways that we can tear the walls down in our lives and watch the model that, that Joshua gave us in Jericho and then go back to Honey and look at those things in our lives. And so I want you to get your pens out. I want you to write this down and really pay attention. And by the way, I meant to say this earlier, if you're a guest with us or you're just a, a person in our church and you don't have a Bible, I want you to see Josh or Jenny in the back. I want you to see one of our volunteers in the back. And we want to give you a Bible because it's very important. Understanding today, this is the main theme of our message, that in order to circle things, you've got to know the one who you're praying to. And so I'm going to give you two things this morning, and that's point number one. Listen to this. The reason that I think we don't pray deep, bold prayers the reason that I think we don't pray deep bold prayers and circle things in our lives the reason I don't think things fall down miracles happen all the time I believe miracles like Honey the circle maker can take place I'm not a prophet but I don't believe I have to be now and I'll tell you this in the second point why but the reason that we don't see amazing things happen in our lives is because we don't know the God who we're praying to we don't know the one we are praying to that's number one I want y'all to write that down. We don't know the one that we're praying to. All right, this is where y'all get to interact. Show of hands. If you are a Clemson fan in this room, I want you to raise your hand. Raise it high. Thank you. That's it? If you, I see you. Praise the Lord. Just for raising your hand, not for being a Clemson fan. If you're a, <laughs> if you're a Carolina fan in this room, I want you to raise your hand real high. That, we don't do baby blue in this state. If you like the Gamecocks, if you like tutorials, whatever, we're going to beat you in August, but that's fine. All right, so most of the people in this room are one or the other. If you're not, just go with me. If you don't care about either one, raise your hand. There's, there's, there's 10 of y'all, and y'all can get saved later. I'd rather y'all be a Clemson fan and not care. Come on. All right, so, so here, here's the deal. Half of y'all like Clemson, half of y'all like Carolina. We probably have more than y'all, but it's okay. But, but 
If you're really a fan, all of y'all know who Dylan Thompson is, right? Y'all know who that is? The quarterback that beat Clemson this year? If you're a Clemson fan, you should dislike him. And if you're a Carolina fan, you should like him because, listen, there's Clemson fans that have said to me, um, you can't be talking about Carolina because y'all have beat us four years in a row. I went to, when we lost eight out of nine, I went to seven of those games, so I don't want to hear it. We have not come close to catching up with y'all yet, so, and I'm not even rubbing it in because it was miserable. Y'all hammered us for so many years, and I'm still patching up wounds. But if you're a Clemson fan, you probably don't like Dylan. But now, this is my point. Y'all stay with me. How many of y'all know Dylan Thompson? Raise your hand. Like, he's your friend. You hang out with Dylan. No one? How many of y'all know who Dylan is? Raise your hand. Y'all know who Dylan Thompson is. Over half the people in the room know who Dylan Thompson is. He's the quarterback that threw the game-winning touchdown in the Outback Bowl this year. He started against Clemson, had a great game. Over half the people in here, y'all know who he is, but guess what? I hang out with Dylan. He is my friend. Austin and I, what, two weeks ago, went down and had lunch with him at California Dreaming in Columbia. I text him probably once a week to check up on how he's doing, and I, it's never how are you throwing the football. It's always, hey, dude, how's your walk with Jesus? He and I have known each other for a lot of years now. We've known each other for a long time. And so my relationship with him is much different. But I want y'all to understand something. If I came up to y'all and you're a big time fan and you know who I'm talking about, I came up to you and I said, do you know Dylan? You would say, yeah, he's, he wears number 18 for Carolina. Yeah, I know who he is. But if he walked up to you in the mall, would he know you? Like, would he stop and give you a hug and say, dude, I'm so glad I can see you. What's up, girl? I'm so glad you're here. Would he know who you are, or do you just know him? Do you know all the stats about him and all that stuff, or but does he really know who you are? Because I figured, and I, I didn't know if I would be right or not. I was going to be embarrassed if someone was like, that's my boy. But I figured I was the only one that really knew him. Listen, our relationship with Jesus, most of the time, is like you guys with Dylan. You can tell stats about him. You might have memorized stuff about him. Like, he really doesn't know you. Like, if you walk to Columbia, if you were in Columbia today, and I actually think he's home. So, if you were at Bowling Springs First Baptist, where I think he's in church with his mama this morning, and you walked up to him and said, hey, Dylan, he'd be like, let this cat get away from me because I think they're stalking me. This is psycho. But if I walked up to him, he'd give me a hug because we have had a relationship for a long time. We are friends. That is how we treat God. People come up to us and say, do you know God? Yeah. Yeah, I can tell you all kinds of stuff. But he, he like made this universe. He breathed whoo, and poof, and there was God. It's awesome. He's amazing. Does he know you? What do you mean? How would he know me? When you get up in the morning, do you, do you get excited because you get to stand before the throne room of Jesus and heaven split open because he wants to talk to you so bad? Like when he hears your voice, is he excited to hear it? And he takes a step towards you because he knows you. Because, like, this is why I really think we have a problem with prayers, because we don't know the one we're praying to. See, the only thing I think prayer is in our lives, and this is one of my pet peeves, is like, um, I like racing, so I'm not making fun of it, but I sort of am. Like, after a race, you'll hear one of the guys win a race, and he's like, I just want to thank the big man upstairs. And I'm like, really? He's the big man upstairs now? That's all he is? And, and like, when the Boston, Mass Boston thing happened, and in, with, in the marathon, everyone prays, right? Because that's awful. But then three days later, we forget about Boston. 
or when, like, when the worst things are happening in our lives, we pull out our genie lamp because it's really important that we talk to God during that time and we rub it. We've got a big test coming this week. Mark, will you pray for me? I've got a huge test. Did you pray that the person sitting beside you in the test would get saved this week or do you just care about passing and then you'll push God back under the carpet for another week? Because honestly, the problem that we have is not a God problem, it's a me problem. Because all I care about is self-sustaining things and things that make me happy, but I don't care about knowing him more. I don't want to be his friend. I don't want to be intimate with him and spend so much time with him that when he speaks to me, I listen and I obey him because I know him so well. It is not, listen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life does not mean to have head knowledge of God, but to know him personally and to, with all your might, place your faith and trust in him. That is what that word believe means. And I believe the church is filled with people, not just this church, but God's church. I believe it's filled with people that have heads full of knowledge. You can tell scripture verses, but in Matthew 7 when it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I think this is the whole thing. Like Blake preached last week, we've not made him Lord of our lives, therefore we are not intimate with him and we do not know him. And so for us to circle Jericho and really believe in our hearts that God still does miracles is crazy. For us to watch someone like Honey, we think they're super spiritual because they are intimate with God. They know he'll answer. Honey had no doubt in his mind that God was going to do it. Why? Because he knew him. And I believe the problem in this room is not a God problem. It's an us problem. We don't know God. We don't know the one we're praying to. And so this morning, in the next few minutes, I want to read the story of Jericho. And I want, I want you all to watch um, this video because if, you, if you're not familiar with Joshua in the Bible, um, I think the Bible series did a really good job. So I want you all to watch this. What does he ask of us? The Lord parted the waters for Moses. You. He will split rock. This is what you must do. March around the city once a day with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Carry the ark with you. It contains God's commandments. And he is with you. Then, on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. Then the priests should make a long blast with the ram's horn. As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout a great shout.
So turn to uh, Joshua chapter 6, and I, I just wanted y'all to see that so you can kind of have a, a picture of, um, of what we're reading. Joshua chapter 6, and starting in verse 1, says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and out because of the people of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. Can you imagine being Joshua and God looking at you and saying, I've given you that city, and you're like, dude, it's got 50-foot walls, and they're over 10 foot thick, and, uh, and over 10 feet thick, I mean, and uh, I'm not sure that we're going to win this one. Like, there's more of them than us, and you can't get through that wall. Like, no army in the world could come close to getting through that wall. So, and notice God says, I have given Jericho into your hands. With its kings and mighty men of valor, you shall march around the city. All the men of war are going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets and ram's horns with the ark. And on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the horns, excuse me, with the ram's horns, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall flat, fall down flat, and the people will go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let the seven priests bear the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city. And let the armed men pass before the ark of the Lord. And so just put yourself in the position of an Israelite. We don't have to be Joshua. If we don't know who God is, this is craziness. Craziness. Why in the world would I march around a city that has mighty men of valor, is what the Bible calls them, that can kill me. All they have to do is stand on top of their big wall and shoot me with arrows or catapult things over. I have no chance to survive unless I have complete faith in God. Now, they had seen the Red Sea split. And if you're a Christian in here, if you're a Christian in here, many of you, many of you have seen God do miracles in your lives. Many of you. But the problem is, the problem is, for so many of us, we've tried out this Jesus thing, and we're not sure if we believe it or not. I, I want you to know that in the last two weeks, I've had two people say, I don't know if I believe anymore. I don't know if I believe anymore because I just don't see it. Or these miracles can't take place. And this is what, this is what God's Word says in, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the Word of the cross is foolishness and folly to those who are perishing or don't believe. The word of the cross is foolishness or folly to those who are perishing and do not believe. Listen, if you're in this room and you've never placed everything, meaning made Jesus the Lord of your life, trusted him as Savior, said yes to him and followed him, if you've said a prayer after a preacher, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you've surrendered all to Jesus. Then this stuff that I'm talking about is foolishness and folly because you cannot get it. 
It is not about being educated. It is not about doing all the right things. It is not about if you serve and if you teach a class and if you do all these things, then you'll feel good about it. No, it's just about placing your trust in him. And so when he asks you to go around the wall like, like Joshua and the people of, of Israel did around Jericho, when God asks us to do things that make no sense, that at the time looks like sure destruction for us, like there's no chance, I can't win this one. I don't understand, God. Why would you make this happen in my life? This looks awful. It's because I've got to fix it. Like, I have to control my life and everything in it because I am the Lord of my life a lot of times. Mark Pangle is the Lord of his life. I want to be in charge. I don't want to give God everything. And so when the really difficult stuff comes my way, I want to fix it. And I want to be able to put stuff back when Leah's hurting really bad or my son or daughter are hurting where something's happening in my family. I want to fix it. And when it's got to be God or it can't be anything else, that's not good enough, God. I've got to be able to fix this thing. Can I just tell y'all in my experience that if something's really of God, it's going to be so unexplainable that it can't be easily explained. Like being able to draw a circle with a staff and get in Indian style and say, God, I'm not leaving here until you bring rain. Or even crazier than that, being Joshua, who's just seen Moses pass and he's taken over the head of Israel and an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, dude, with Moses, he split the Red Sea and with you, he's going to split rock. All you've got to do is just obey problem is that obedience thing, isn't it? Like really trusting God with everything in my life and not just wanting God when it's convenient for me. Because that's when I want God. I want God when it's convenient for me and not when he tells me to do something so he can do a mighty miracle in my life. Because this is what the people have told me in the last couple weeks. I just don't really think God does these miracles. It, it, it's just really hard to believe. And I took them to that verse in 1 Corinthians 1, 18, that it's foolishness and folly for everyone who doesn't believe. And guess what? If you're one of those people that are playing games with God, he's not going to do miracles. He's not going to do miracles. You're not going to be called to walk around Jericho. You're not going to be the one that God does a mighty work through. And, and listen, he's not going to probably put you through the worst of times. Because Satan's not going to attack a person that's not his. Bad things happen to everybody. But listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, like it's a promise. Really tough times are coming. Really tough times are coming. And we want to fix them right away because we don't want the crap to happen in our lives, right? We don't. Here's what's amazing. I can take you to so many families just in this room. So many families just in this room. That like when the worst situation happened and they really trusted God and they said, you know what? If I lose my kid, I lose my kid. But I'm going to trust you. Like a year ago with Jeff and Katie Bigby whose kid got cancer and they just said, we don't know what to do but we can't fix it. And God did a miracle. And then there's some of you, Mother's Day is really tough because you've lost your child. We don't always have the answer. 
but God's always got a reason for everything that he does. And if we try to fix it or make sense of it, we'll make ourselves go crazy because we so want to be God in our own lives. It's only the people that know where God's supposed to be and put him there that they can hear the instructions from the angel or from God in your time with Jesus. And they can obey. Because all of us will have, listen, all of us will have Joshua experiences in our lives if we will know the God that we are praying to. If we will know the one that we're praying to, all of us will have unbelievable experiences in our lives. I don't think anyone's going to see 50 foot by 10 foot walls come down. And if you do, I want you to come to me because I really want to see that and we'll preach on it and be crazy. But, but all of you, all of you will have Joshua experiences in your life. And when people come up to you and they say things like they've said to me, listen, I just can't believe this. This is what I tell them. I'm not going to try to talk you into believing what the Bible says because you've read it and you're educated. All I can tell you is you can't take from me what God is doing in my life. You can't take away the fact that I know the one that I'm praying to. And I'm intimate with him and I screw up every day and it drives me crazy that I mess up. But I'm grateful that his Holy Spirit convicts me of my sin. And draws me back close to him. And wants to talk to me. And knows every hair on my head. I'm grateful for that. And I can't wait to spend time with him. So in order to have an effective prayer life, you have to know him. Because listen, I appreciate all the prayers of everyone in this world. But unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your prayers are not heard. The only people's prayers that are heard are the ones that have trusted him as Savior. And if you know the one that you're, um, excuse me, if you know the one that you're praying to, it is time for us to circle the Jerichos in our lives. That's number two. It's time for us to circle the Jerichos in our lives. Let's continue reading in verse 8. Just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of rams and horns before the Lord, they went forward blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord following them. Then, then excuse me, the armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets and the rear guard was walking after the Ark while the trumpets blew continuously. So this is the first six days the trumpets were blowing continually. And the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did that for six days. And on the seventh day, they rose early. At dawn, they marched around seven times, just that day, in the same manner, seven times. It was the only day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priest had blown the trumpet, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. Shout. And so can you, I just, my gosh, there's certain things in the Bible that I love. Like I just love reading the word. And like sometimes in Leviticus and stuff, and I'm, I'm actually in 1 Samuel right now. If you're doing the one-year Bible, that's where you are in the Old Testament. But I just, there's so many cool things. And this is one of them that I, like I don't know when we get to heaven if we, got, if we can like beam me up Scotty and, and we get to go places and stuff like that because that's what I think it's going to be like just for the record. So, but, like, I just want to see it. Like, maybe God can just go like that, and then it's 3D on the wall or something. But I just want to see that. Like, and that's cool that the Bible series did it, but I want to see the real thing, what it looked like. I, like, I want to be there. I want to feel the tension 
I want to see all that stuff. That's why I love it, because it's alive and it's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. I love the Bible, because these, all these things happen and can be proved in history. I want to see what it's like to be on that seventh time around and have your heart start rushing and know that this is about to happen. But listen to me right now. That is how we should pray every day. That is how we should pray every day for the things that God puts in our lives that we know we should claim. Now, I want y'all to be very careful and listen to this. I'm not saying you should claim a new truck today. And if you do, that is selfish, and he's not going to give it to you most likely. It may happen, but it's not from God. If a truck just falls out of the sky, again, please call me because I'd love that to happen. But that's not going to happen. That's not what I'm talking about. But listen, next week, and I don't want y'all to miss this, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the things that we are praying for right now. In order for this church to grow, and I believe we're going to run out of room this fall, our kids' area is slammed almost every week. We're going to tell you the things that we're praying for boldly. And they're crazy bold prayers. And if it happens, it can only be from God. But for each one of you guys, this should take place. For each one of you guys, this, it should take place. And this is how it happens. All right, I've got to give you the full picture, so this is how it happens. Around 2,000 years ago, this guy named Jesus came right after Honey. And he came down and, and he lived a perfect life. And when he was 30 years old, he started an earthly ministry and, and, and he did all these miracles and people were watching him. And then when he turned 33, they started getting really mad at him. And they hated him for what he was doing because he was authentic and he was real. And they killed him. The most gruesome, painful death that has ever, ever happened on this earth, they killed him over doing nice things. And I'm going to tell you why that's significant in this story. Before Jesus, there was a necessity to go to the priest because the high priest would go into the temple, would go into the temple, and in the temple there was a two-foot-thick curtain called the veil. And inside the veil, the Ark of the Covenant would sit down inside and if you touched or got close to the Ark of the Covenant, unless it was appointed by God, you would be dead. It would kill you. And inside this Ark of the Covenant was a small place, and it was called the Holy of Holies. And only, only the high priest could enter there. Listen, it was so big, it was so amazing that the high priest would go in there, and they would tie a rope around his legs, and around that rope would be bells. And if the bells stopped ringing, it meant that he had unconfessed sin before a holy God, and he collapsed and died. He was dead. Done. And so he would walk in once a year, for sure, and, and sometimes for special events they would walk before God. And in, in, in situations like this, or when they were in the desert, they, they had to transport it, but they had to be very careful. But when the temple was built, you did not go in the Holy of Holies. And listen, none of us, if we weren't the high priest, none of us would go near that because we would die. Here's what's crazy about what Jesus did for y'all and me. When he died, and this is so awesome in Scripture. It's one of my, I like a lot of things in the Bible. This is really a favorite. That veil that is two foot thick, that his presence stood in, that the Holy Spirit of God lived in, it exploded. An earthquake happened and not, darkness fell and that curtain tore in two. And the Holy Spirit of God is everywhere. He left him for us. Listen, if you trust him, he lives inside of you. This is the part. 
Like when people say, I don't have time to pray, do you understand that what was punishable by death to step into if you had any sin in your life, you get the opportunity to do every time you wake up. Every time you wake up. Every time you breathe. God wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. I mean, he wants to know you better than I know my wife. He wants to know you so much. And there are Jerichos in your life that are happening right now. But listen to me. God is honored by the bold prayers that we have in our lives. Bold prayers honor God. He wants you to circle your children like I do Laney and Haston every night. I circle my kids. I claim the promises of God with them every night. I read the one-year Bible to Laney almost every day. And I circle her. I don't literally get a staff and circle the bed, <laughs> which would be kind of funny. I might try that tonight. But I circle them every night and bathe them in prayer. Why? Because, because I can. Because John chapter 1 says, I've been given the right to be called the righteousness of God. By being a child of God, I have that right. I can boldly go before the throne room of grace and give him all my cares and cast them at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't do this. God, I think I might lose my job. God, my kid is so sick. God, my mom has cancer. God, my neighbors and my mom and dad, they're lost. They don't know you. They don't have the peace in their heart because they trust you. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what to do. And I'm telling you, if you know Jesus, you just feel that presence. It's nothing that you can quite explain except knowing the presence of God is that cool mist and the sun out at the same time and it's His favor and the blessing that only comes from Jesus. And that is the opportunity that I have every day because He did not just die on the cross just to get me out of hell. And listen to me, everyone who does not know Jesus is punished for all of eternity. And it is awful. It is so much worse than we can describe. But listen to me, that is not the only reason he died, just to get you a get-out-of-jail-free card so you can live like hell the rest of your life. It is because he wants an intimate relationship with you. He wants you to stand before him in the Holy of Holies that is your temple. The temple of God is your body. This is the church. We are all the church. He wants you to have an intimate relationship with him in the only way that you can be a circle maker. And all of us can be honies is by knowing the God that we serve. You have to know the God that you serve and talk about. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I believe if there's a hundred adults in this room and that's about what they are, there are this morning, I believe that there are several people that you need to do business with God. And I'm not talking about re getting rededicated. I'm talking about for the first time in your life, you are doing serious business with God, and this is what you say, God, I've tried all these other things. I've done all this stuff, but right now I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to surrender all to Jesus Christ right now. I'm giving you my life because I want to know the God to pray to. I don't just want to go through the motions. So right now, what I'm going to ask you to do is respond to two things. I'm done. I'm going to ask you to respond to two things. And the first one is, I want some of you to get saved. And all that simply means is making Jesus Lord of your life. It's knowing him personally. It's placing your faith and trust in him and saying, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I trust you as Savior. 
Can I just tell you if your heart's beating fast and you're feeling that deep thing in your stomach, that is not me and I'm not capable of making you feel guilt or any of those other things. It is the Holy Spirit of God and it's His conviction, not guilt. Guilt from, comes from the devil and conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. It is Him drawing you and pulling you like a rope, pulling you back like a boat, getting docked. He wants to have a relationship with you that is intimate. All I'm asking you to do today is say yes and walk to the back and talk to our volunteers. Will you bow your head with me and close your eyes? I just want y'all to answer this in a little bit different way. How many of y'all would say, Mark, I'm not asking if you've said a prayer or even been baptized. I think people get baptized and um, don't ever have that intimate relationship with God. I'm asking y'all right now to be honest with no one looking around, Mark, I'm certain, absolutely certain, I know for sure that I know Jesus. There's no doubt in my mind that I know Jesus. I have an intimate relationship with him. I talk to him and he talks to me through the reading of God's word. I'm obedient to him because I know him so well. I know Jesus. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand and I don't want you to raise it low. I want you to break your shoulder out of your socket you're so certain raise it as high as you can right now thank you raise your hands high if that's you put your hands down thank you very much if you didn't raise your hand all I'm going to ask you to do is look up at me I promise I'm not going to embarrass you I just want you to look right here look at my eyes this is what I got to ask you here's the truth of scripture okay I think people get baptized over and over and they play games with God their whole lives and um, at the end of the day when we stand before God he looks at some of us and says why should I let you enter my kingdom dude I went to church like I did all the right things I really tried hard and he's going to say to a bunch of people I believe thousands and thousands of people every week that go to church he's going to look at and say depart from me you worker of evil I don't know who you are I don't know you I don't know you. I don't have a relationship with you because you never made me Lord of all. And I want to know you. And so this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Just being honest. And if it's not time, if, if, if you still want to be in charge or, or, or you just don't want to get saved, I'm okay with that. I'm not mad at you. Okay, I want this to be about you and Jesus. I want you to stand up right now. Stand up right where you are. I'm not even going to count. I just want you to stand up. If that's you, no one's looking. You just, I just want you to stand up. If that's you right now, stand up. Say, Mark, I need Jesus. And I just want you to go back in the back and talk to our volunteers. So go ahead. Anybody in here that that's you? There were several people, several people looking at me. So go ahead and just stand up. If that's you and you don't know Jesus, I just want you to stand up. Anybody? Who's bold enough to say, I need Jesus? I want that relationship with him. Who's bold enough to let that be you? The thing that sends more people to hell than anything else is pride. And pride is what keeps you in your seat when you know you should stand up. Anybody in here bold enough to say, Mark, that's me. I need Jesus. What about for everybody else? By the way, standing up doesn't make you saved. And so if you want to sneak out the back and talk to to one of our volunteers, that that really is okay. Because it's not like there's a magic wand that you get saved. And if you don't do certain things, you're not. It's just following Jesus. What about for everybody else? How many of y'all would say, Mark, I am absolutely certain that I'm a Christian? 
I'm absolutely certain that I'm a Christian. But dude, there's so many things in my life that I need to circle. I don't go boldly before Jesus. Honestly, I, there just needs to be some major things in my life that changes because I need an intimate relationship with Jesus. I take him for granted every day because I just treat him like what we do on Sunday and not what we get to do every second of every day. And I need a touch from the master. If that's you, I just want you to stand up. Stand up right where you are. If that's you, if you need a change, thank you. If, if that's what you need in your life, I want you to stand up right now, wherever you are. If you need to know God more, change the way you're doing your time with Jesus. Hear from Him. Circle things in your life like your children, for your job, for your finances. If that is you, I just want you to stand up. And as we're, as we're finishing in worship, I just want you to just let loose and raise your hands and worship Him. God, this morning, Lord, I believe there's people in here, at least a handful that are, um, that are battling whether or not they should go back and, and, and talk to our volunteers and, and give you their lives. And God, it's my prayer that you keep them up at night. More than anything else in this world, Lord, I don't want people spending eternity without you. I don't want people to, to try to go through this life alone. So, God, I pray that, that you keep them up at night. Whatever it takes, Lord, I pray that they know with clarity that it is you that is pulling them and searching for them and seeking them and trying to have a relationship with them, Lord Jesus. Draw them near so that they will trust you as Savior. And, Lord, the other thing is I, I just pray that there'll be champion parents. I thank you for so many awesome moms in this room and for the dads that are back in the kids' area serving in so many other areas. God, I just pray that we claim your promises and we boldly go before you. We are so grateful that you want a relationship with us. We love you, Jesus. Amen.